What's up, everyone? Happy Sunday. Welcome back to Black and Cold, a true crime podcast. I am your host, Nichelle, and I am back this week with a new episode. If you are a newer listener here, welcome. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you do, go ahead and click that subscribe button for me on whatever platform you are listening from. Also, feel free to leave BNC a rating or drop a generous review. If there are any particular cases that you would like to see be covered, you can submit one in via my suggestion link, which that can be found in the description of this episode. And last but not least, to stay updated, you can follow me on Instagram, and that's at black underscore cold underscore podcast. But let's jump into today's episode that comes out of Texas. I actually remember very well when I first read up on this case. I learned of it through social media, so it may spark memory for some of my listeners that may have already read about it as well. It also sparked much ongoing conversations and concerns about crimes against the LGBTQ plus community. Today, I'm going to be telling you about the murder of Ty Underwood. During the early morning hours of Monday, January 26, 2015, a resident in Tyler, Texas, made a concerning call to 911. The caller reported to the operator that she could see a vehicle across the street from her home, and it looked like it had been on a telephone pole. She went on to say that the car still had its headlights on, it wasn't moving, and no drivers or passengers were present from her point of view. The caller then told dispatch that her grandchildren said that they heard gunshots right before this time. So with this car out of place and potential gunshots reported, authorities from the Tyler Police Department responded to the scene. At 2.36 a.m., officers arrived to this quiet residential area on the 400 block of West 24th Street and they noticed a red Toyota Camry off the road, kind of up on a curb. The tires were pretty sunken into the dirt, and the car appeared to have struck a telephone pole, just like the 911 caller noted. From an initial glance, the scene looked like it was just an accident, but as the patrol officers got closer, they noticed an unresponsive person inside of the vehicle in the driver's seat. The woman was pronounced dead after a further look by EMS, and she had gunshot wounds to different parts of her body, including her wrists, arms, and shoulders. As authorities began to process what was now a very violent crime scene, they were also able to identify their victim. 24-year-old Tyrone Underwood was the person discovered deceased after scanning the plate of the car. And the Tyler PD realized very quickly that she was a transgender woman. 
Multiple shell casings were recovered nearby the vicinity, and it appeared that she was trying to escape from her shooter. Longtime neighbors from the area were in complete shock that something like this even happened on their block. And I mean, officers appeared to be surprised as well. Who would do something so brutal here? Originally from Lufkin, Texas, Tyrone Underwood, who later went by the name of Ty, moved to Tyler, Texas about a year prior to her death. Because Lufkin was her hometown, that was pretty much all Ty knew. But in 2014, her best friend Kenya actually persuaded her to move two hours away to Tyler. As transgender women, Ty and Kenya both struggled with finding acceptance. And although Tyler was said to be more of a conservative area, just like Lufkin was, it was still a change for them. Also, Kenya seemed to be doing well there, and she just wanted the same for her best friend that she knew since grade school. Ty was described by her loved ones to be caring, loving, and also a go-getter who excelled in anything that she did. She was not only an overachiever, but she was known to be fearless. Her friend stated she wouldn't back down for anything. Ty always knew she wanted to pursue a career in the medical field, and as soon as she arrived at her new home in Tyler, she did just that. Ty began working at a nursing home shortly after her move, and from there she even received her license to become a phlebotomist. And in January of 2015, all of her hard work would pay off, and this was after Ty was then accepted into a nursing program at Kilgore College. So she was excited about all of the things she had going on with her friends and career-wise, but Ty was also looking for love, and she thought she found someone special. Now, going back to the morning of January 26th at the crime scene, authorities recovered a piece of mail inside of the vehicle with the victim, who we now know was Ty, and they also found her cell phone nearby. The piece of mail or the letter had an address on it, which led them to where Ty was living with her roommates, including her best friend, Kenya. And when officers arrived to their home, they unfortunately had to break the devastating news to Ty's roommates that she was found dead. Being that she was the closest person to Ty, investigators interviewed Kenya along with other people to see if maybe they could get any leads that would point them in the direction of finding her killer. And as officers were learning more information about who Ty was and how she met people online, it became a concern very early on that maybe she was targeted for how she identified. According to the Tyler Morning Telegraph, Kenya was able to tell authorities that her best friend was dating a guy named Carlton, who attended Texas College nearby. Now, Kenya didn't know too much about Carlton. She knew he played football. She knew he was in Ty's life for a few weeks at this point because they met around Christmas. And she knew that he stayed at their house before. During the beginning of their investigation, authorities also spoke with one of Ty's co-workers, who too confirmed that she was speaking with a guy from Texas College who played football. And this co-worker was under the impression that he was Ty's boyfriend. So once investigators were able to get this information, they knew they wanted to speak with this guy. 
and almost immediately they found out exactly who he was. 21-year-old Carlton Champion Jr. was a football player who lived at the dorms at Texas College. And when investigators had him come in just for questioning as the boyfriend or the guy Ty was dating, Carlton would give them a very different story. When asked about how he knew Ty, Carlton said he knew he was communicating with someone named Tyra and that they had been speaking on Kick back in December of 2014. And if you aren't familiar with Kick, it is basically an instant messaging app. Obviously, it has its differences, but I would say it's similar to WhatsApp or something to that nature. Either way, it was definitely more popular back in 2014-2015. But Carlton said he was speaking with Ty or Tyra on there, and the last time that they spoke was on January 25th, around 11 o'clock p.m., which would have been hours before Ty was found murdered. Now, Carlton quickly disassociated himself with having any type of relationship with Ty, especially the one that was described by her friend and co-worker. According to him, he wasn't in a relationship with Ty, never had sex with Ty. He stated that he met her only one time before and that the vehicle she drove was actually white. Carlton confirmed that him and her made plans to meet up that night, which was the 25th. However, he says he fell asleep. So when asked to see his phone just to verify everything that he was saying was actually true, Carlton said he deleted the Kick app from his device and he also reset his phone on top of that. This clearly didn't help authorities with their investigation, and it was very suspicious, but they continued on questioning him for the time being. During his conversation with investigators, Ty's biological name was revealed, making Carlton aware that he was speaking with a transgender woman. However, Carlton seemed surprised at that, and he said he was under the impression that he was speaking with a cis woman. When notified that Ty was found dead in her vehicle the day before, Carlton allowed law enforcement to take his DNA. And after some time of trying to get more information out of him, the Tyler Police Department realized he was probably not being truthful about some things, like at all, but they had no evidence at this point to show that he committed a murder. So they began to continue their investigation and possibly pursue other leads. As the investigation was still in its early stages, law enforcement figured they would try to get into Ty's cell phone, which could obviously give them clues as to where she was going that morning, as well as more information about her personal life in general. And after a few attempts of trying to unlock her device, officers were able to get into it, guessing her passcode, which ended up being her birthday. Once they looked through Ty's cell phone, It definitely put them in a couple of directions. And besides Carlton, it was discovered that she was also speaking with another local man who didn't live far from where she was found killed. So he obviously became a person of interest and authorities wanted to speak with him. When they were able to track down this individual, they questioned him about his relationship with Ty 
And this guy made it clear that he met her on the dating site, Plenty of Fish. However, they had never met up in person. Now, he did say they had plans on doing so, but it didn't work out for whatever reason. The second man stressed to officers that he had nothing to do with Ty's murder, and after their plans fell apart, he kind of just left it at that. The police now had to confirm that this man was even being truthful, which he was completely willing to cooperate and take a lie detector test to clear his name. He ended up passing his polygraph exam as it showed no signs of deception, so the Tyler PD decided to shift their focus from him. In the meantime, authorities continued to go through Ty's phone, and their attention wouldn't be left idle for long. They quickly turned their attention right back to 21-year-old Carlton Champion Jr., and this is after they were able to read through Ty's messages via the Kick app. So Carlton may have not shown authorities his phone because he says he deleted the app or reset it or whatever, but Ty's phone history told the story right there for them. The messages showed that her and Carlton had plans to meet up originally on January 25th, which he stated when he first spoke to the police. But he kept out a very major detail. Ty's messages also proved that her and Carlton were in a sexual relationship, just like Kenya explained and just like authorities were thinking. There were not only sexual pictures exchanged, but he was the last person to see Ty, at least according to her phone history. So (laughs) these are the times that I kind of wish I had a co-host to do this dialogue with, but I'm just going to give you guys a rundown of what was said in the text messages recovered. And this is according to the arrest affidavit. On January 25th at 8.27 p.m., Carlton messaged Ty that he wanted to chill. From there, the two of them had some more general conversation about what they were doing at the moment, etc., And then Carlton asked if she remembered where she dropped him off at a previous location. Ty confirmed that she remembered the location he was referring to, and Carlton then proceeded to tell her he would let her know when he was ready. So clearly, they are making plans to meet. As the conversation continued, Carlton then directed Ty to a park that he wanted her to go to, which was nearby some apartments. Ty didn't seem too sure as to what park he was talking about, which is when Carlton then said he'll just meet her on the street. The two of them spoke some more, and Carlton appeared to fall asleep as he stopped answering Ty. And Ty was pissed off when this happened, and, you know, she was feeling like Carlton played her. So she texted him basically saying, I don't want to see you anymore. You can no longer use me when it's beneficial for you. She also hinted to the fact that Carlton may have been seeing other people, which upset her. Hours are now going by and Carlton finally responds to Ty's messages at 1.39 a.m. So we are now into the early morning of January 26th. When Carlton answered, he told Ty that he would make it up to her, but she was hurt at that moment and argumentative as she felt she was being used. 
Carlton wanted to know where Ty was, and he still made it clear that he wanted to see her. She said she would come up there to Carlton, which he then told her to go to 25th Street. At 2.06 a.m., Ty confirmed she was on 25th Street waiting for Carlton, which he then said he was leaving his school on his way over to her. But Ty was feeling frustrated at this, and she was feeling like a secret. She wanted to come up to the school, because right, why wouldn't she just be able to pick him up from there? But Carlton made it be known that he didn't want Ty to do that, and he responded by saying, quote, no, you not, chill, which Ty then said, K. This interaction with them both was just around 30 minutes before that resident and Tyler made that 911 call about the car accident from West 24th Street, one block away. And because of this, Carlton officially became a suspect in Ty's murder. He not only lied about his type of relationship with her, but it appeared that they did actually meet up that morning. So once all of this was confirmed through Ty's phone history, the Tyler Police Department was able to obtain a search warrant for Carlton's dorm room. And there, they seized a lot of his personal belongings and clothing. Now, once officers were able to actually get a hold of Carlton himself, they arrested him on unrelated charges on January 29th. When he got in the interrogation room, he continued to deny having any involvement with Ty or her murder. In fact, Carlton told investigators that he stayed in his dorm room the whole night of January 25th and that he never left. So they had to have the wrong guy. At least that's what he was telling them. Carlton's demeanor in this final interview literally made my skin crawl. Besides the fact that he wanted to lie and remove himself from having any involvement with Ty. He was just flat out ruthless. While officers were questioning him, Carlton just smiled throughout the whole thing. He was super sarcastic. He kept telling investigators that he was hungry and that he wanted a burger. He just gave off the impression as if he was not phased, as if he was bored as if he was the one being bothered or harassed. It was really just disturbing to watch. But even though he had this act that he was trying to give off, the police knew Carlton was full of it. They knew that he knew Ty was a transgender woman because it showed throughout their conversation history. Like I said, sexual messages and photos were shared between both of them, and there was proof that they've been together intimately in the past. So even though he was lying through his teeth, Carlton was taken to the local jail and he sat there for a night. The next day, on January 30th, law enforcement obtained video surveillance from his dorm room. And according to KLTV, the video showed Carlton wearing a camouflage jacket exiting his dorm at 2.13 a.m. He then returned minutes later at 2.27 a.m., which is around the time the murder was expected to occur. So even though this time frame was very short, what is that, not even 20 minutes he was gone, it was enough for Carlton to commit this crime and return back to his dorm as if nothing happened. 
During this time, the lab results also came back from when Carlton allowed authorities to swab his DNA. And they were a match to the DNA found inside of Ty's red Toyota Camry. It was on the passenger side seatbelt and door. The same car Carlton claimed he had no knowledge of. Remember, he said she drove a white vehicle. And just going back to the crime scene, there was reportedly blood all over. The four gunshots that hit Ty showed that she was more than likely shot by someone from the passenger side of her car. Carlton's camouflage jacket, that was clearly the one he was wearing when the cameras captured him, that was seized from his room and it was tested for blood, which came back positive. On February 9th, Carlton Champion Jr. was officially charged with first-degree murder. His bond was set at $1 million, and authorities ruled out the possibility that Ty's killing was a hate crime, and this is only because she was actually in a relationship with Carlton. The trial began at the end of the year in December of 2015, and Carlton, who initially pled not guilty, sat in a courtroom, which he continued to show no signs of any remorse. Many people testified that didn't help his case either. Some of these people included the doctor who prepared Ty's autopsy report, which the Tyler paper reported that they confirmed the shooter had to be at least three feet away. Ty's roommate and best friend Kenya also testified, along with Ty's mother, who was devastated at the sudden loss of her child. All in all, the court did not seem to believe Carlton's account of events whatsoever, and he was found guilty for the murder of Ty Underwood. Now, his official sentence could have ranged anywhere from five years to life, but Carlton being Carlton, he actually decided to have a outburst in court, telling everyone there, including Ty's loved ones, quote, I'll be back on the streets. Authorities thought his little stunt did not help him as he was given life in prison at his sentencing. Carlton is said to be eligible for parole in 2045. He actually tried to appeal his case in August of 2016, but that was denied. Ty Underwood definitely deserved better. Also, this is kind of a sidebar, but when I was able to watch the police interviews with not only Carlton, but with Ty's friends as well, some of the officers, not all of them, especially in their latest interviews, but some of them just didn't seem sensitive to the fact that Ty identified as transgender. This is just my opinion. I don't know. But Ty stayed true to who she was, and she was upfront. Her and her friends actually made an agreement with one another to let the men know that they dated off the rip that they were transgender women. Ty and her friends did that to specifically protect themselves from any potential danger. They knew how dangerous it was for them, period. However, living in your truth sometimes may not matter to people because there are many Carltons in this world that are too afraid to be themselves. 
Ty clearly wanted more of an exclusive relationship with him, but he was playing this game and keeping her secret because maybe he was embarrassed and trying to save face. According to the statistics from the Human Rights Campaign Foundation, Black trans women make up 63% of the victims of fatal violence in transgender or gender nonconforming people, which is heartbreaking. I will never understand how someone can get to the point where they want to take someone's life for who they are. Carlton probably had a certain reputation on campus with other people, and he played it off. He knew exactly who Ty was, and when there became a potential opportunity for other people to find out who Ty was, he didn't want to be outed for being with a trans woman. He wanted to avoid that at all costs, to the point where he took her life. And I'm just going to tell my listeners this, and this goes for everyone. No one should keep you as a secret. If your boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, whoever, if they are too ashamed to show you off or be with you in public, they do not deserve you. The right person will love you, and they will love you for exactly who you are. <laughs> 